This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, Did you tackle that trouble that came your way with a resolute heart and cheerful, or hide your face from the light of day with a craven soul and fearful? Oh, a trouble's a ton, or a trouble's an ounce, or a trouble is what you make it. And it isn't the fact that you're hurt that counts, but only how did you take it? You are beaten to earth? Well, well, what's that? Come up with a smiling face. It's nothing against you to fall down flat, but to lie there, that's disgrace. The harder you're thrown, why the higher you bounce. Be proud of your blackened eye. It isn't the fact that you're licked that counts. It's how did you fight and why. And though you be done to the earth, what then? If you battled the best you could, if you played your part in the world of men, why the critic will call it good. Death comes with a crawl or comes with a pounce, and whether he's slow or spry, it isn't the fact that you're dead that counts, but only how did you die. End quote. That is the poem, How Did You Die?, by Canadian poet Edmund Vance Cook. Cook was born June 5, 1866, in Port Dover, Canada West. And he died December 18, 1932, in Cleveland, Ohio, at the age of 66. And Cook published 16 books of poetry and became the first and most notable of poets to read his work on the air on WWJ for the Detroit News, starting in 1920. And I think we'll take a slightly different tack on analyzing this poem today, as it's a bit different than the poems we usually explore, in that nearly all of it is out in the open. I don't think there's a whole lot of super deep meaning here, or imagery, that Cook is trying to present. And again, I think I apologized to the literature degree holders last week, so I guess I'll do it again. I'm sure there is more to this than probably what I will tease out. So again, don't at me, or at me. It's fine. And that's not to say that it's simple, but rather that the traditional six-question explication format that we usually do is not quite as revealing as it has been with other poems. Trust me, I started the explication that way, and it wasn't quite up to snuff, so we're going to take a different tack. So let's consider the lines in sections instead. In doing so, we'll find themes and some key ideas, and from that we can learn and apply those ideas, which is, of course, the ultimate goal of these unpackings. Now, the poem has a rhyming scheme to it that makes it fairly easy to break it up. And I'm going to read the poem again for you in a moment, and I'd ask you to consider that each section of four lines has a theme. See if you can identify that theme as I read through the poem, and you'll know that we're in a four-line section or coming to the end of a four-line section because you'll hear that rhyme. The second and fourth lines tend to rhyme. Often the first and third do as well, but The second and fourth lines definitely rhyme, so you will hear that as I read through the poem. And if you have a pen and paper handy, or perhaps the note app on your phone if you're sitting somewhere, and don't do this while you're driving, of course, but perhaps jot down what you think those themes are for each of those sections, and we'll see if they match with what I found as we go forward. So here's the poem one more time. It goes, quote, Did you tackle that trouble that came your way with a resolute heart and cheerful? Or hide your face from the light of day with a craven soul and fearful? Oh, a trouble's a ton, or a trouble's an ounce, or a trouble is what you make it. And it isn't the fact that you're hurt that counts, 
but only how did you take it? You are beaten to earth? Well, well, what's that? Come up with a smiling face. It's nothing against you to fall down flat, but to lie there, that's disgrace. The harder you're thrown, why the higher you bounce. Be proud of your blackened eye. It isn't the fact that you're licked that counts. It's how did you fight and why. And though you be done to the earth, what then? If you battled the best you could, if you played your part in the world of men, why the critic will call it good. Death comes with a crawl or comes with a pounce, and whether he's slow or spry, it isn't the fact that you're dead that counts, but only how did you die. End quote. So, hopefully you took a moment to write down what you thought you heard there in those lines. There's a number of them. The themes that I found were heart and soul, trouble and hurt, falling down, fighting, criticism, and death. Now, your list might have been a little bit different, and that's fine. But I think that regardless, when we distill the roughly 200 words of this poem down to 8 or 10, what we begin to see is the framework around which this poem is built. And this, of course, as most things do, leads me down a rabbit hole of thought. And I wonder, and we'll probably never know, of course, the method by which a poem like this takes its ultimate shape. Does it, for example, begin with those themes? Does the author sit down with a pen and paper and say, Heart and soul, trouble and hurt, falling down, fighting, criticism, death. Those are the things I want to write a poem about. And then once they have those themes, they build the rest of the lines around them. Or are the lines built one at a time and only afterwards do the themes emerge? My gut tells me it's probably the latter of those two, but who knows? Maybe that the method for different poets is probably unique to each of them. And maybe some of them do sit down and say, I want, I'm feeling these certain types of feelings. I'm having these certain types of thoughts. I want to work that out in a poem. So then maybe they do start with a theme and go from there. Another question that pops into my mind, especially after reading a poem like this, is why do some poets choose to rhyme or not? Why in certain patterns vice others? And we don't go into the patterns of rhyming iambic pentameter and uh, triambic pentameter, etc. But there are deliberate reasons why poets may choose to do that. It changes the tone of a poem. We've done poems that are written more in a, a prose fashion, where things don't rhyme at all. We've done poems that don't have any capital letters in them, for crying out loud. But certain times, certain poems, and certain poets will create poems that do rhyme, and I never know why. I think it's interesting. In fact, I feel compelled to ask a poet, so if you happen to be one or know one, I'd love to speak with you or with them. That would be fantastic. We can do an explication live with an actual poet who knows what they're doing. But anyway, back to the poem at hand. So whether Cook built it from themes or the themes emerged organically, we have them now, so let's consider them. And because I have them in front of me on paper, I find the order of them to be interesting. Heart and soul is first, and that makes me think that perhaps Cook, as many other people are, was particularly concerned in death about the state of the reader's heart and soul. And that makes sense, as those are, by some accounts, the most constant and individually controllable things that we have, our heart and our soul. And he then follows that with trouble and hurt, falling down, fighting and criticism, in that order. And as I first explored the poem, of course, I read it and I read it again. I usually tend to read a poem three to four times before I even start putting a pen to paper to tease things out. You'd be amazed what doing that does to force you to see different perspectives from the poem. Certain things start to emerge that you didn't necessarily see before. That's where the themes piece, the themes idea came from for this episode. 
And I began to think as I first explored the poem that perhaps this was a prescription for life. An acknowledgement that we've made here many times that life is hard and cruel. And perhaps it is, but I also think that the broader theme here is that what defines us and what defines our lives is our response to those things. And of course, it's easy to be gracious and kind and to persevere and continue when life is good, when things are going our way, or when we have little about which to worry. But that doesn't show our true character. It is, of course, as many have said before, and it is not a unique thought of mine, that it is in adversity, say, for example, trouble, hurt, falling, fighting, and receiving criticism, where we find out who we are, and it shows. And of course, in those moments, we have the opportunity to grow and to learn from our response to those moments. You certainly wouldn't want a life of constant hardship. None of us do, and none of us should wish that on anyone. But it's in those hardships that we learn a lot about ourselves. And what you can do in the interim between hardships is take the things that you learned from your last hardship. Say you lost a job. Say you lost a family member. Say you had a relationship that fell apart. Or just generally, that the day didn't go well and you had a bad time and you didn't respond well to it. Well, you learn something from that adversity. And before the next adversity comes your way, and it will, you have an opportunity to change the way that you approach or plan to approach the next adversity. Knowing that it's coming and that you have, because of your powers of observation, because you're paying attention, you know that the last time it didn't go the way that you wanted it to, so you can help make it go better the next time. And there are countless quotes on that exact phenomenon, and we've examined a few on this show before. And I like what Cook does as well with each of these things. In just four lines, or stanzas, he acknowledges the hardship. He describes potential responses. For example, after falling, do you get up or do you lie there? Or after having your eye blackened, you ask yourself, did you actually fight or not, and why? And then he just boils it down to a couple of questions. He says, how did you take it? How did you fight? How did you die? And that's the question, because you can do that thought experiment without actually having to take it or fight or die. You can sit here and think, if I find myself in a situation where I have to fight, will I fight? How will I fight? And why will I fight? And that's not necessarily fisticuffs in the parking lot. That's one way to handle things. But we're talking about injustices or things that you see and observe in life that are not right. And you stand up and you take a stance and you fight for those things to be different. So in that way, this poem is, in my estimation, a spine stiffener, right? It's the kind of easy-to-remember earworm poem, right? Everybody can remember the line, how did you die? And it's not, how did you die? Was it a train wreck? Was it a car crash? Was it a plane crash? It's the kind of thing where you can think to yourself, when I get to the end of my life, how do I want to answer that question? So in that way, it's an earworm that can help get us through tough things. The next time you're, you find yourself in a difficult situation, you can think back to this poem, and even if you don't remember the whole thing, I'm not asking you to recall the 200 words, but how did you fight and why? How did you die? How did you take it? Those are questions you can ask yourself anytime you want to be prepared for those moments so that when they come, you are prepared. And as Cook points out, if we do this, our critics will call it good. 
Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.